0: The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the available lines ahead of the college basketball tournament on the DraftKings Sportsbook app, so download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance see dkng.com slash bball for eligibility deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources
1: What is up everybody? Welcome. Welcome into the overreaction sports podcast brought to you by the market dominator on the Buffalo rumblings podcast network. My name is Joe Miller. I'm your host, the voice of the overreaction sports podcast. And you can find me on Twitter as always at Joe Miller wired. And I got a dude in the room. This is like a first for this live YouTube thing that I've got. I'm starting the show with a dude in the room and everybody knows the dude. The dude is Joe Marino and and the dude needs no introduction joe how are you i'm good can i start with asking you a question you can ask me any question you would like to ask me
2: just listen to that wonderful one minute (laughs) song yeah is that that you is that you singing
1: that's me (laughs) is are you also playing guitar i am playing the rhythm i'm not playing lead i'm not a lead player but that is me playing that is me playing lead or rhythm yes
2: talent the talent of this man (laughs) He can't just, it's not just that he has the buttery speaking voice, but the guy has pipes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, what happens is, is when you do this stuff, they like, especially on YouTube, they flag Mm -hmm. it and then they mute it and then they like take it out. So what do I know? I know that the stuff that I've written and the songs that I've recorded that you can find on iTunes, you can find it on Spotify and all that stuff belong to me so mm-hmm. i'm like so come at this, me <laughs> exactly <laughs> like this this show the phoenix show Humpty hotline all those intros are all my stuff just because oh, wow. it yeah just makes sense so there is some uh royalty free stuff out there that you can use but even with that a lot of times they're like not for use with podcasts and mm-hmm. it's like uh, okay and you can pay for it but uh but joe it's good to have you and joe before we get started with episode two uh of the way too early uh as chris jenke and i think richard rush have said uh, season not predictions, but conversations. Um, I do need to talk about the market dominator real quick because John Spascheck is my friend, and John Spascheck is a real estate broker here in Western New York, but he can help you wherever you are. So you're in North Carolina, yes, Joe?
2: Yes, sure. So
1: if you were looking to move back to Buffalo, mm. that would be, as you would say, a transition. Or if you were moving from Buffalo to North Carolina, mm. transition, right? Life transition. And John is a life transition specialist. That's what he calls himself. And at the end of the day, all that matters to me is he's the best real estate broker in Buffalo that I've, he's probably the best real estate broker I've ever used. And I've used several, the dude, when it comes to you've bought and sold homes, I know you have. And the frustrating part about buying and selling a home is when you're in that limbo period, the five, six days, when you're told that like something's supposed to happen soon. And then that day passes. And two days later, you're like, what is going on? And you text your agent and they're like, I don't know. I haven't heard from the other agent yet. John doesn't let that stuff go. Like, John is, like, hound-dogging people and, like, keeping people on point to the point of, like, even, hit like, the other people's attorneys and everything else. Like, it's insane what he does. But if there's anybody out there, probably not you, Joe. I know you just bought a nice new home out there in North Carolina. But if there's anybody out there in Buffalo, Western New York, or around the country looking to sell a house, buy a house, especially in this hot market, you can call John Spaschek, 716-570-3298. The number, again, 716-570-3298. You can also reach him on e- or at, on his email at your elite broker at gmail.com. You can also find him on Twitter. He is Bill's Mafia at your Elite Broker. Now, the business is out of the way. Joe, how the last couple of weeks been treating you? Pretty good? Busy. Yeah, yeah you're, you're <laughs> always busy, though. There's no real off-season for you.
2: No, I think the off-season's busier than the regular season because at least with the regular season, there's consistency with the games and like uh, the, the, the rhythm that comes with it. The off-season lends itself to more... I don't know what the word is. The lack of structure, right, right. And so we, as a family, because we're kind of dialed in all season long, just becomes busy for family stuff, and then obviously, the work doesn't stop. So,
1: right, right. Yeah,
2: we we wanted to do this the next week, and like I forgot <laughs> that I was going to a wedding.
1: So life, life happens.
2: <laughs> yeah. So we had to we had to make this a uh, more. I-
1: i i cannot blame. blame you i cannot blame you for forgetting that you had to go to a wedding like those are my least favorite things to do in the world really
2: weddings. dude i love weddings. Oh. hot take weddings are always i've never been to a wedding you know I was, I was like this was a bad time it's never that way like the the ceremonies i'm like all in my feelings you know like i i I always feel some type of way about it and then you, you know you, you go to the reception who doesn't like free food and music like you know, but, it's, but,
1: but the DJ is going to be good. There's a, there's a lot of times they're going to the play the same 50 songs you hear at every wedding, right? Couple things. So, number one, there has to be alcohol, even if it's a cash bar, there has to be alcohol to loosen people up.
2: Have if you been? The, I have not been to a wedding that didn't have
1: alcohol. This is I've been the, to I, I'm, yeah. old, I'm old school charismatic. So oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see it. Yeah. Oh, so, so and like,
2: dish. A potluck (laughs) wedding reception.
1: Yeah, a lot like if you drank alcohol, you were like, yeah, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, not on Mm Jesus' best friend list. That's how I grew up. So I've been to a lot of dry Mm -hmm. weddings. They suck. And then the second part of that is the DJ. The DJ, if he comes out and he plays a lot of what I would consider modern uh, pop or R&B or just different type of stuff, it doesn't take off as well as if the guy's mixing in brown-eyed girl. And like different things like that, like older tunes. If there's older tunes in there, a lot of times that'll grab the audience. YMCA. For some reason, YMCA is a huge hit at weddings. That's
2: such an overplayed song. I'm over that one. But (laughs) Brown Eyed Girl, man, that's going to get me moving a little bit.
1: Right. That's what I'm talking about. So so, so you you sashay your way onto the dance floor when you go to weddings?
2: Yeah. You know what, dude? I've, (laughs) you know, your wife wants to dance. Like don't be that schmuck that doesn't go dance with your wife. You know what I mean? Like you don't want to, but just like do it, you know, just do it. Even if you can't, I'm not a good dancer, but I'm not going to let my wife not have that opportunity. You know what I mean? (laughs) Or send her out there by herself and sit there like a schmuck in the corner.
1: Yeah. Nursing a drink, nursing a cocktail. Right. So, yeah.
2: So lame. That's so lame.
1: I, 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 I get out of the dance floor and I make a fool of myself. Right. Just have fun. Like just have fun. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Nobody's look at-
2: going home and like, oh man, did you see that guy dancing? He was so bad. No, they're like. Yeah, that guy really loves his wife and wants to make sure that she had a great time and was part of that.
1: And he had fun. And that's, that's right. what matters, man. That's right. And you can you can affect the crowd. You can affect the wedding and make it better if you're a part of the conver- like a part of the dance and a part of what's going on and like pulling people onto the dance floor and yeah. just having some fun. Yes. So I'm with I'm with you. I just hate weddings. Weddings is just a it's just a if all the weddings were in the winter, I think it'd be okay. But they're always in the <sighs> summer and like you you do know, you no, live in North Carolina. No, you and-
2: can't get married you can't get married in the fall or the winter. That is so rude to people that I want to watch football.
1: <laughs> Saturdays are well your college. Oh, no, see, that's an
2: this major character flaw with you that we've established. Yeah, you don't yeah. like college football.
1: It's not a like thing. I find it
2: inferior. Can I, I we are going down a rabbit hole that I didn't expect. <laughs> can I be candid with you?
1: You could be as candid
2: uh, as How you does this mean? happen? This is this is that pastoral <laughs> background where you get people around you, you make them feel comfortable and then they just say all the bad things and uh, you know what I mean? So My daughter, who is uh, 16 months old, her first ever flower girl request is by somebody getting married on a Sunday at three in the afternoon, the Sunday of Thanksgiving week. Destination wedding.
1: Destination
2: wedding. Kid, that's probably aggressive. It's in the mountains of North Carolina, probably a two and a half hour drive.
1: Right, right, right.
2: Why are you putting me in that spot? (laughs) Why are you putting me in that spot? Because here's the optics, Joe. It's that oh well, this guy just wants to stay home and watch football. Well, let me tell you what. This is kind of the most important days if this is your job. It's like me inviting you to my wedding at one o'clock on a Monday. Right. I wouldn't do that. You know what I mean? I right, would expect right. you to be there.
1: Right. It's funny. Weddings to me are just. It's just there's. I, I've I've li- I lived in Florida when I was in high school, and I've lived primarily in the north. And there's just a matter of. A limited amount of weekends we have, and mm-hmm. for me, burning eight hours at a wedding that I don't—if I could show up, go to the ceremony, drop off my gift, and like dip—I probably would be okay. I don't wait. Wait, to- how are weddings an eight-hour obligation for you? Well, if the, if the wedding's at one in the afternoon, right? You show up to the ceremony, you go to the thing. If it's an hour, hopefully it's less. And then there's nowadays it's two and a half hours between the wedding and the, the reception pictures, right? because of the pictures. It's insane, and then the so
2: you got to have a cocktail hour. But, dude, the wedding ceremonies that I'm going to are, like, 15 minutes, 10 minutes.
1: They're getting shorter. That's people are
2: getting it. I think we just have different – you have different friend groups than I do.
1: (laughs) That's probably true. (laughs) And I get invited to a lot of weddings because church stuff, right? So I'm on staff at a church. So, like, people feel obligated to invite me. Um, Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Meanwhile, sometimes it's like, no, you don't have to invite me. It's okay. It's totally good. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, dude, I get that. I get that. You have some dynamics in play here that has put you in some weddings you did not want to be at.
1: I get Exactly. It. So it just, it is what it is. But uh, yeah, somebody's putting your Catholic weddings are a whole day long, Richard. Robert. Yeah,
2: you know, no, but that's really the truth. Like th- that's Buffalo. There's a larger Catholic population. I'm here in Charlotte, North Carolina. Everyone's yeah. Presbyterian, right, you know, or right. Baptist or something, you know, like it's a, it, we have a different wedding experience if you want, where if you are and where I am.
1: You're a totally rabbit trail, but if you want the nightmare of your life, watch the deer hunter with Robert De Niro and, uh, who else is in that Christopher Watkins in that movie. And literally, the Catholic wedding scene is forty five or fifty minutes of the movie. And it's like, what is going on in this oh, movie?
2: <laughs> oh, wow. that sounds terrible. i won't <laughs> I won't be watching that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's awesome. Well, welcome into the show. And uh, now that we're going to get somewhat back on point, and we what we have to do and and you jumped in and I immediately told you before the show started that we're going to have to go backwards because there was news today on Sunday, the day of this recording. Uh, and that news is is that Julio Jones has been traded from the Atlanta Falcons into the AFC to the Tennessee Titans. Now we did the Titans uh when we talked last time and for those of you that maybe didn't catch the last show what we were doing is we're going to finish up uh the season schedule the last I don't it, it looks like the last I think it's eight games or nine games however there's a couple of duplicates in there between the Jets and the and the and the Panthers or I'm sorry the the Patriots. We're going to basically go head to head quarterback to quarterback so Josh Allen versus quarterback that he's going to be facing potentially uh, major additions and subtractions, and then we're also going to do home field advantage. However, we have to go backwards. We have to go backwards to uh, what amounts to the uh, uh, the Titans game. Now, I don't remember necessarily where we landed particularly, but I thought that we felt that as far as, you know, should win, could win, going to be tough. That was going to be a tough game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. H- how was the dynamic changed with Julio Jones going there, with Derrick Henry, with obviously uh, – uh, Aj Brown with they've lost their tight end so losing yeah. John o. Smith is big, but yeah. gaining Julio Jones where where are you landing on that?
2: Uh, Tennessee Titans got better, right? I mean, there's right. just no there's no way around it. They became a better football team with that trade. Um, I think naturally, you you probably want to still talk about well, who's playing right tackle? Is the pass rush going to come together with the Nico Autry and Bud Dupree? Did they right. really fix the secondary? Do they have a safety that can play? alongside Kevin Byer, right? You could still ask those questions, but at the end of the day, the most important thing, the the most important statistic in the NFL that is correlative to winning is points scored, right? Mm. I know that seems like a very elementary talking point, but when you correlate wins to a statistic, the one that matters the most is is points scored. The Tennessee Titans made a significant move that is going to allow them to score more points, especially stylistically how they want to play football and how Ryan Tannehill thrives in the play-action game and working the ball down the field. It's a great move. There's no no way around it.
1: Yeah. Bill's Mafia STF actually says, I'm confident in our offense to outscore them. Are you still confident based on their defense versus our defense? And I have a hot take before we get into the rest of this but where are you at on that as far as our confidence in outscoring them, outrunning them, gunning them?
2: I think that the Bills defense stacks up very well against Tennessee because for as speed deficient as the Bills secondary is, they're outstanding at limiting the deep ball and mm. last year it was the, the 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 Bills were the lowest team in the NFL in terms of average depth of target against their secondary like because Micah Hyde and Jordan Poy are so good at football teams don't even try the bills down the field right and so like when the most important thing you do is build your run game so that you could take those deep shots and the best thing that your defense does is counter them I still like the way that the bills match up against Tennessee and and Derek Henry's a, a special football player but the bills haven't had trouble with Derek Henry no not at all you know and, and so be, and I think that speaks to having a guy like Tremaine Edmonds who has the physicality and the size to gotcha. to meet him in the hole and and, and challenge him. So yeah. that that helps a lot. And so I, I think the Bills, from a, a defensive personnel makeup schematically, what they like to do, I think it counters Tennessee uh, quite well.
1: Yeah. What's funny to me in the the hot take that I wanted to give you, I was trying to figure out some way to word this on Twitter this week, and I couldn't I couldn't encapsulate it well enough that i felt like it would get the traction that i wanted to, wanted it to get without getting the type of without getting negative feedback i did i wanted it to catch as a as a as a comment as a conversation starter uh but i didn't want it to be like you're out of your mind i didn't, I didn't want it to be like you're a typical homer type stuff but for me when i when i picture what the bills have done uh last year 2020 with this offense and what they have and you know, what is this, the third or fourth season returning with Brian Dable in the same system, the amount of guys they have in the same system. Uh, if they can find, if they can return to, if Star comes back, if they can find, you know, if they can catch fire in Boogie Basham, if they can catch fire in Greg Rousseau, uh, F.A. Obada if they can get to the quarterback, if that defense can return to a top five defense, to me, this is a Super Bowl winning football team. What's interesting about that is, is the fact that now you've, you're looking at it's a three headed monster in the AFC in my in my opinion between the Chiefs, potentially the Titans, and obviously the Buffalo Bills, but I don't know where you feel. But to me, so much is, is 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 so much is pressed upon that defense. That defense has to find itself, and if it can find itself, man, I don't know. I don't I don't think there's many teams out there that can beat them.
2: Yeah, I think a lot a lot rides on the defense finding its form a bit more than it did last year. Um, I do think, I think the top of the AFC is really challenging with Kansas City, with Buffalo, with I I see no reason not to include Cleveland and Baltimore in that conversation. Right, Uh, right. Tennessee, I I think Tennessee has holes. Um, I still again right tackle, pass rusher, secondary, like those are not small issues. Right. Um, and, and let's be honest about them replacing Arthur Smith. Right. I mean, he was very important for engineering that offense. And so he he's gone, but I think they're there. They're, they're one of the best five or six teams in in the conference. Yeah. You're going to have to deal with them probably to get to the Super Bowl. So, right. Yeah. They're there.
1: Yeah, for sure. I just, I have, I have a great deal of uh, expectation as it pertains to just this defense finding itself again. And if they can, if they can figure out a way to amount, not pressure because Jerry Hughes is the King of pressure. They can find a way to get home. Yeah. If they can get home and get the quarterback off his spot, get him rattled, whoever they're playing. Yeah.
2: That's the thing, right? So the Bills' pressure rate-wise last year, they were good. I mean, they were one yeah. of the better pass rush teams in the NFL. It was finishing. And yeah. when you think about who they brought in, you mentioned Nefe Obata in addition to Gregory Rousseau and Carlos Basham. Those guys are all finishers because they have length. right? And so I think when you when you start to complement pressure from multiple angles, but you can also really – collapse the pocket and, and and give you that compression power style rush that kind of doesn't give that quarterback to go any, anywhere they can go. Right. I think that's how you maximize the talent. So from a, 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 the engineering of the types of players that they brought in, I think it's going to help them finish more at the quarterback.
1: That's good. So where does this put you? Does this change – uh, it's gotta change a little bit, but how much does it sway you or move the needle Julio Jones on this football team now versus Julio Jones, not be being... the funny thing about the, before you went that. And I, I, I meant to ask you this a couple minutes ago, you know, Julio said, I want to go to a, a team with a strong arm quarterback that they're going to sling it. Ryan yeah. Tannehill doesn't strike me as that guy, but regardless, where does this, where does this put the needle for you?
2: I, I think I, I look upon them more favorably. I was thinking Indianapolis was probably the favorites in the South. Um, I think it, obviously Carson Wentz is the conversation there, but right, right. Um, I, I think that division with Jacksonville and Houston, I mean, you kind of feel like you're starting four and oh, right? Right. <laughs> so I, I think Tennessee is going to be right in it. It's a tougher game. They, yeah. I mean, it goes back to the point I made. They're going to be a better scoring offense because they added Julio Jones. The correlation between scoring and winning matters. I think it's a tougher game, especially on the road on Monday night football
1: yeah ladies and gentlemen you are watching and listening to the overreaction sports podcast brought to you by the market dominator on the buffalo rumblings podcast network i'm here with my guest joe marino and we are now going to get into the back half of the bills schedule episode two finally kind of getting there uh, and we're going to be talking about uh, the Buffalo Bills, who their opponents are, their quarterback head to head with Josh Allen. Also, major additions and subtractions, and then basically home field advantage. And I believe we are we are at number nine. Is that correct? The New York Jets.
2: <laughs> I think so. Yeah.
1: Yes, yeah, we, we finished up with we finished up Jacksonville, with Jacksonville yeah. with Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence and uh, and Urban Meyer. As far as the Jets go, who's playing quarterback? It's got to be Zach Williams yeah, or Zach, Wilson, Zach Wilson, brother Zach Wilson, not Williams. Yeah. So one, what is your impressions of Zach Wilson?
2: Concerned. Um and not not overall. Like is Zach Wilson there could have been teams that he would have went to that I could have got behind, but I think I think the Jets are a disaster fit for him. Right. Um silver spoon kid big time, right? Right. I mean, man, I can, I can only say so much here. <laughs> He was not guaranteed that job in twenty twenty, right? Like he w- he didn't play that well in twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen, where he entered twenty twenty as the undisputed starter. Gotcha. And going from BYU to New York City, I have questions about that. Like, mm, mm. and not just not just from those dynamics, but when you combine some of the the things that I know about Zach Wilson and, and his background and what you're asking him to do the jets are kind of at that point where they can't afford to miss on another quarterback
1: right no and I so mean, and behind him is what james morgan that's the guy behind him right yeah
2: they they, they don't they don't have anything
1: right well
2: and, and and you know mark sanchez kind of flaming out and sam darnold moving on from him like they When's the last time that they successfully drafted and developed a quarterback? Like is it Chad
1: Pennington, Joe, Joe Namath?
2: Eh, let's give <laughs> Chad Pennington some some respect. But um, yeah, I just I think it's a big ask for him, and I don't think from a mental makeup perspective I like this at all. I like the talent. If you told me he went to Jacksonville
1: or he went to San Francisco, that was the, that was actually Sam T to ask that question. Would you have yeah. felt better if Wilson went to San Francisco? Absolutely. Yeah,
2: absolutely. But that wasn't an opportunity.
1: So you think that there's not a fit issue but there's a a landscape issue, right? Yeah,
2: man, like you are and I think you'll connect with this. I mean, g- given your life experience, sure. you're like there's something to be said for having gone through things in your life and facing adversity and how you're going to come out of those situations and um something to lean to that you can point to that you've overcome and, and sure. you know, I don't this guy doesn't have that on his resume. And so, you, so we you, We've said that about guys like Josh, Josh Rosen. We've said that. We're saying that about Trevor Lawrence right now. Right, I'm saying right. that to you about Zach Wilson right now. Right. Um, and a lot of times these guys that are kind of these silver spoon kids that come up and, and have been told how good they are their whole life. And, okay, bud, now you have to go lead an NFL football team. Now you sure. have to go up against Sean McDermott and Bill Belichick and Brian Flores for to get to the damn playoffs. Like, right, right, good right. luck, dude. Like, good right. luck.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's literally the difference between – yeah, that guy and Josh Allen, who Josh Allen was told no his whole right. entire life. And you know, when Josh Allen got to go to Raiders camp with uh with Derek Carr, right? And and he wanted to be in the group with Derek Carr and Derek was in the group with all the other kids and Josh was in the guys with no talent group, right? That's what you're talking about.
2: Yeah, and you you grow up on a cantaloupe farm. Right. You play every right. sport because you know how hard it was to stay at home and help your dad on the farm. But you still, you know what I mean, like right, right. And you you email every coach in America just to get a damn opportunity,
1: right? And, you know yeah.
2: that's just different.
1: It's different. It's absolutely different. There's so. that
2: mental makeup that comes with becoming the face of a franchise. I, I mean. I just have my, I have legitimate questions about Zach Wilson being able to do that.
1: So the jets are doing jets things. They added Carl Lawson, big, big get that. uh, So
2: that's the thing about the jets is I love what Joe Douglas is doing. Their general manager, like from a roster construction, they have holes and obviously this is going to take time, but from a, like the way that he drafts players in terms of the way I perceive them, uh, you know, doing my work with the draft network and scouting these players and what he's been able to do in free agency. I really like it, Mm. but I, I don't know from a mental makeup perspective, he got the right quarterback for the New York Jets, right? Yeah. Like, very specifically.
1: So, is it Mac? It can't be Mac Jones. Who else is it? Justin Fields. Justin, yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's Justin Fields who that guy's got a chip on his shoulders.
1: Yeah. He's and physically he's-
2: gifted. His- possibly be.
1: Not similar situation, but similar situation, right? A a, a franchise that's been struggling for a long time and he's gonna have to rise above it. Very similar to what Josh Allen has had to do. And that's what you're talking about. You're talking about the difference between the difference between a quarterback that can rise above it, put the team on his back and lead a bunch of men versus watch
2: Josh Justin Fields play at Ohio State and how poised he is and how he he takes hits and gets up and he comes we thought he tore his ACL and he comes back on the field the next play and he hits a dime in the back corner of the end zone. That's battle tested in those moments. You know, that that's the guy I want on my football team and not the guy that turtled against coastal Carolina.
1: (laughs) Right. I have made a lot of, uh, So I took, I'm the one, and you can go back to Twitter and verify this. I'm the one that took the picture of Robert Sala against the Buffalo Bills where he's just looking at the field glossy-eyed. Like, I don't know what to do with this kid at this point because he's beating me up and down the field. And it's been retweeted and reposted a thousand times, and I love it. I wish I had a watermark It I didn't. Um, What effect is Robert, I guess the first question, what went wrong with Robert Sala in that 49ers game where he was doing whatever film reading he was doing and says things like he's basically Cam Newton. And they're pretty much running a yeah. wildcat. Like I, I, that was so left field for me. It was like, who's doing your film watching? Because that is not true.
2: It's a testament to Josh Allen and the physical ability that he has, and the rules of playing quarterback don't apply to him. Yeah. And that's what Benjamin Solak man meant when he said arm arrogance. He can do things with his arm and with the football that other people just simply cannot do. And when you can, when you can, you can play above the rules. Right. That's frustrating as hell for a defense that is assignment driven. Like, okay, if we do these things, it's going to take away these things. Right. Because that's just the design of the defense. Okay. We did everything we're supposed to do, but because Josh Allen can extend a play and fit a football into a place where it's not supposed to go, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you have.
1: Right. Gotcha. And
2: that's why he's looking at the field
1: get yeah, like this dude just beat me up and down and it wasn't just him vic fangio you name it bill belichick yeah. all of them at the end of the season last year josh was just on a tear so we're we're pretty clear that uh josh has got it head to head obviously adds and subtractions carl Lawson's a nice get home field advantage josh owns that stadium at least has for some time looking into the future though robert sala i don't think he's a slouch i think he's a good coach right. and he's going to be a good head coach i don't yeah little bit of insight there. Where, where do you lean Robert Sala wise?
2: Big fan. I'm a big fan too. of him. I am too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like it. I like him. I like Joe Douglas. Yeah. I think, I, I think there's a process here because the roster's not there yet. Um, I think right. their cornerback room, I think the Jets cornerback room is the worst position group in the NFL. Whoa. Yeah.
1: That's the lot. worst.
2: Yeah. It's, I've never, I, it's unreal to me that they think this is passable. Mm. Uh, so that's a major, major, major concern. But Robert Sala from just, you know, like, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know him intimately, but having seen what he was able to do in San Francisco, listening, I I love press conferences. I listen to a lot of them. So, like, kind of dialing into some of the stuff he says and, and how he's wired and, like, his vision for the team. I like it a lot. If I was a Jets fan, I'd be really happy that Salo is my coach.
1: Me too. Yeah, that's a guy that you're going to want to keep for the long haul, four yeah. or five, give him six years, just to see yeah. if he can – because he's a lead, he's a leader of men. So I think we, we probably both are putting this game in the bucket of should win. Yes? Yes. Yes. Agreed. Even with, even with the addition of Carl Lawson and that defense that they have. And, 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 and they're, they're going to play well defense. They're going to play sound defense. The jets have always played sound defense, at least for the last several years. But this is a situation that I think we both agree with that Uh week 10 home against the Colts, Carson Wentz. I'm excited about this move for Carson Wentz. What are your feelings on Carson, Carson Wentz?
2: Carson Wentz was one of the historically the worst quarterbacks anyone's ever seen last year. Right. So year. It, j- just, just awful dreadful football player last year. So there was a point in my football career where I said, Carson Wentz is the most indispensable football player in the NFL. Hmm. And I believe that wholeheartedly, but I think what happened to Carson Wentz in Philadelphia was very much a systematic failure of him, whether that was not replacing coaching, not having the right weapons around him, Dysfunction in the front office with Howie Howie Roseman. I can't find one person to say a good thing about Howie Roseman that's ever known the guy. I mean, he's just he's a disaster. He's a complete disaster as as a general manager. All right. (laughs) So you have this this dysfunctional organization, and and I think to go from twenty seventeen Wentz to twenty twenty Wentz, it's not one thing, man. It's not one thing. That was dreadful. So where I get optimism if I'm a Carson Wentz fan or a Colts fan is that if there's anywhere that I believe can get the most out of Wentz and, f- you know, help him find Frank his Reich. game, it's there right with Frank Reich, Frank Reich. And, and and in a situation in Indianapolis where across their roster, I think they have maximized their talent exceptionally well, mm. especially when you consider the players that came there from other places and became the best version of themselves. They like, a far more impactful player in Indianapolis than they were in other places throughout their career. It's a sign of a great coaching structure that exists for player development. Sure. So I love this environment for Carson Wentz, but 2020 still happened and this guy's got to find his game. And that's a big ask.
1: 2020 with no fans. I mean, there's yeah. a, we, we've had conversations. I've had conversations about Josh Allen and, uh, you know, people have talked about that. How's Josh going to be with fans in the stands, both at home Sugar high, Josh and I away
2: answer that Joe, like I get that question too. I don't know how to answer
1: it. I'm a muscle memory guy. And it actually, uh, Richard rush brought, brought it back up on the Humpty hotline for me. There's something to be said for going through those motions and going through those checks and going through all those line things. They were pumping crowd noise in, I think at 81 decibels or 85 decibels, which is clearly not. And I know you're, you play an instrument. You've been in bands, which is not 95 or hundred decibels. It's totally different, but there's something about that muscle memory of making those checks seeing the defense if you can get those repetitions to me in live game combat situations almost like you're at home for 16 games straight other than the kansas city game in the championship where they had whatever it was 22,000 fans to me that's going to do a lot for Allen and his like just coming to the line and pre-snap stuff uh i don't know that he'll be as rattled if it's you know, I'm, you know, they're throwing stuff at me. I'm not gelling with whatever it is I'm gelling with, and the crowd's obnoxious. Now it's just the crowd's obnoxious. And he should have, in my opinion, a pretty easy pass at the rest of it. He read defenses, in my opinion, pretty well last year. You could correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he did pretty well at kind of scheming out of whatever it is they were trying to do and going to where he was supposed to put the ball.
2: I think the most convincing thing that I've come up with on this conversation is. All of the quarterbacks had the same opportunity to excel with the no crowds. Why were there not more Josh Allen stories? Why was Josh Allen the only one that really played at a level that exceeded at people's expectations?
1: Well, it's it's the it's the 5% rule, right? Or whatever it is. I mean, it's there's a there's an aspect to uh, <laughs> as much as as much as they're all playing quarterback at the professional level, they're not all professional quarterbacks. There's just something different in the wiring, in the makeup, in the in the in the preparation. There's something different in the way that he's being built, in the way that he's studying, the way that he's being shown to prepare. It's just different, in my opinion, than it is for Mitch Trubisky, who's now the backup for the Buffalo Agree. I mean, it's, you don't know, right? I mean, some guys, it's it's it's. I'm trying to I'm trying to find an analogy or metaphor that it's like. I mean, it's it's different for everybody. And you know, not everybody's Tom Brady. Not everybody's Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning sees the field differently than everybody else. Peyton Manning sees the field differently than Eli sees the field or saw the field, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's the only thing. I mean, imagine Peyton Manning in a crowdless season.
2: Oh, yeah, done. Just a complete (laughs) surgeon. They'd score every drive, right? Like,
1: (laughs) right. Yeah. I mean, so I mean, I think there's an aspect to that. I mean, you're you just the confidence for me. Going back to the question of how Josh is going to be when the crowd shows up, the confidence that he should have going into this season when the crowds do show up, the crowds, I don't think should affect him as much, but that's, I could be completely wrong. I clearly, I could be completely wrong. You know, it's all conjecture at this point. So, uh, they added Carson Wetz, Sam Tevi on the, uh, Tevi on the offensive line. Uh, they lost Anthony Walker home field advantage there. You know, uh, we're at home against the Colts. I don't know that there's home field advantage even at Lucas Field. I don't know if you've ever been to Lucas Field for a football game. Uh, their their fans aren't that great. But uh, this to me, where you fall on this, should win, could win, going to be tough. I'm I'm, at a, I'm probably at a should win.
2: Yeah, should win. It's a it's a it's a losable game in my mind. Like mm-hmm. as I go through and I say the Bills could lose this game, it's it falls into that criteria. But I I, I would like to think a home game against the Indianapolis Colts is one
1: that the Bills should win. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, the next week, week eleven, Saints, Jameis Winston, yay! Jameis Winston is finally going to play some football again. Or, it got, I guess it could be uh, uh, Taysom Hill. Right? We have no yeah. idea necessarily who's going to be playing quarterback. But right now, it looks like it's going to be Jameis Winston. My question to you is this: Can Sean Payton turn him around like he did with Brees? I mean, when, when 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 you think about, and I think you and I talked about this, when Sean got Drew Brees, Drew Brees wasn't Drew Brees. There was very much a do you want Breeze? Do you want Culpepper? And I was in the Culpepper camp, yeah. not necessarily because of the injury, but because I felt like Culpepper had probably more to offer as a passing quarterback than Drew Brees did. Then Sean Payton gets his hands on him and turns him into a Hall of Fame quarterback. Is he, are we talking about part no. two?
2: No, I don't think so. I think, I think both Jameis and, and Ty- Taysom Hill are, are very limiting players, whether it's the interceptions with Winston, the fumbles with, with Hill, the, the, the complete lack of, throwing acumen that exists right. with, with Taysom Hill. I, I think they're too limiting and this team from a depth perspective throughout has really taken a major hit because of their salary cap situation. You know, They've had to really purge, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of what made that team so deep. Um, I think there's an argument to be made that the quarterback play with Drew Brees last year, wasn't very good and right. they still won a lot of football games. Right. So I do think there's a baseline because Sean Payton's your coach, because there is talent on the roster because you do have good trench play on offense and defense, like you have a fighting chance. But I I think about this team somewhat like I did the Patriots last year, where I think they can get to seven or eight wins, maybe nine, but they're not a team that I I think is a surefire playoff team.
1: Right. Yeah, no, I feel I feel that for sure. And they added also a big pass rusher. And I put it in my notes. I can't say his name. Who did they add?
2: Uh, With Pat for the Saints? Yes. They drafted Peyton Turner
1: no i thought they added a guy in free agency and i literally i didn't write his name down but i couldn't pronounce his name i literally it was a joke i was like i can't say his name
2: <laughs> you mean I the name is escaping here uh they lost
1: trey hendrickson i could probably tell you two seconds maybe i don't know if my tabs are all gone Oh,
2: are you thinking of the uh, tano passing uh from the chiefs uh kind yes. of a hybrid linebacker edge player he's He's his average as they come. He doesn't change anything for them.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. Very good. Very good. Uh, to me, what I put in my notes is this making uh, this game has the makings of a fun Thanksgiving QBs, et cetera, but uh, haven't fared well in recent history. I don't know why I put that necessarily looking back now, um, but uh, there's, the, the, the 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 Saints. How do I want to say this? The Bills have never necessarily. Oh, that's because it's a Thanksgiving Day game. That's why I put that. The Bills have never necessarily fared well against the Saints. It's funny how, like, matchups and team matchups and as histories go, and even as I'm saying this, somebody's probably going to get a pro football reference and prove me wrong, but it doesn't seem like necessarily the Bills have historically played the Saints great, um, which potentially lends me to a little bit of concern. However, to the point that I put here, um, this game does have the makings of a very fun Thanksgiving football game in prime time for the bills starting at eight o'clock or eight thirty, where the bills could just go in and potentially just slaughter uh, the saints in that football game. I don't know what trouble do you see, or do you feel that this is a game that's potentially winnable?
2: Yeah. I think the challenge for the saints is going to be scoring with the bills. Like, that's going to be the problem. Right. Uh, McDermott knows Sean Payton from their time together in the NFC South like that. There's, there's nothing they're not going to be, be ready for, but if you if you wanted to to come up with the path for the Bills to lose this game, it's because I mean I do think that they have a very good offensive line, a very good defensive line, and they have a dynamic back in Alvin Kamara. If they play a clock control game and are efficient, you know, that th- there's going to be some challenges that exist there.
1: Yeah, Alvin but, Kamara's is just another animal. He's just a different animal. He just it's just
2: yeah, he's a good he's a good like and and he can challenge. It's not just the running ability. It's it's what he brings as a pass catcher. So. If they can play c- clock control and and not turn over the football and you know shorten the game, I think they ha- and they're at home in a short week. You know, what I mean, like there are factors that are favorable for New Orleans.
1: Do you f- you're talking about if New Orleans plays clock control, not the Bills?
2: Yeah, I know, not the Bills. The Bills oh, should good. go in and try to score as many points as they can and say, okay, see if you can match us.
1: Right. I was going to say because I know that there's a lot of great coaching philosophies based around that concept of like we're going to slow th- or speed this game up. You know, limited possessions, do all that kind of stuff. Um, but to me, I just don't feel that the Bills are equipped to do that well. The Bills are equipped to sling the ball all over the football. Yeah.
2: It's the Colts game plan. You go out and you don't, you don't run it one time in the first half and try to score as many points as you can and see, have the, the Saints chasing you all game long.
1: Right. And right. see if
2: somebody not named, uh, Michael, uh, Michael Thomas, or Alvin Kamara can beat you. They don't have those ancillary weapons. Don't don't they're 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 not there for new worlds. Like Kamara is an elite running back. Thomas is an elite receiver. But they don't have anything else, and I mean literally nothing else that that's of concern. Right. So you focus in on those players and make a a bottom five quarterback in the NFL use other weapons to beat you. Like I'll take my chances.
1: Yeah, Alvin Kamara scares the living crap out of me, but. Even looking to 2020, when the Bills did not have the best defense or weren't trucking out the best defense that they that we've seen in some time, they never seem to have a ton of trouble with those big name running backs. They do a very good job of scheming them down. So yeah. it it'll be interesting. But that to me is probably a should win game. It's funny to me this this when you break this schedule down game by game, outside of a couple games, the Tampa game, right, the the couple Dolphins games, there's not a whole lot of games on this schedule that have you kind of shaken in your boots right the chiefs game i mean
2: that has something to do with the schedule but it also has something to do with who the bills are as a football team very right? well said
1: so well said
2: yeah, let's keep that in mind you know well said i have an overarching once when, when we get through this i have an overarching point that i'll make
1: cool all right well, we'll uh, we've only got a couple games left uh, new england at home uh, Cam is injured. At least right now, it's a bone bruise. Clearly, he's not going to be injured when the season starts. However, is this is an opportunity for Mac Jones going into coming out of OTAs, going into mandatory camp? It's potential for him to take that spot and run away with it. Yeah,
2: yeah. So, I do think that's a real possibility. Um, the The Patriots roster was terrible last year. Terrible. And I, I, I preach this message all all off season long, where I'm like. This team has three difference makers. Their their guards, Shaq Mason, uh, and and at the time Joe Tooney, who's now on the Chiefs, and Stephon Gilmore at corner. Like they, they don't have any other difference makers. Mm-hmm. Joe, they won seven games last year. Seven. They were seven and nine with with, right. with no ability to throw the football. The worst receivers and tight ends you've ever seen.
1: They were almost A- eight and eight. Had had Justin Zimmer not knocked that ball out, they were they were almost you're, eight and eight. You're damn right. Right. So. Put some,
2: let's put a little respect on this
1: team they, they got better
2: like we could talk about whether or not the way they got better was responsible but mm. this is a far this is a markedly more talented football team now than it was last year and right. you would think with mac Jones being at quarterback and I'm, I don't think the world of mac Jones I'll tell you that but the ability to execute throws compared to what we saw from cam Newton last year should be a lot better yeah for sure so like there, there's there, the, the Patriots are a better football team now. Yeah. And, and obviously Bill Belichick getting seven wins out of that, that team last year was, was sensational in my mind.
1: There's a mystique, right? It's not the Raider mystique. It's a Patriot mystique. There's just something <laughs> about going up against Bill Belichick. And I, there's yeah. a, the bills have, 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 have bowed to it for 20 years. And last season, obviously we swept the Patriots, which was great. Uh, and you hope that they're they're beyond it, but Bill Belichick to me is building something. And I, you know, you're bringing Jenna Smith, you're bringing Hunter Henry, and they're going back to that double tight end offense thing. Potentially with a running quarterback in Cam or a rookie in in Mac Jones. They're building that old Gronk Hernandez offense that nobody wants to play, and people don't have the ability to defend. Right? I mean, this is going to be a tough offense to play if they gadget you to death.
2: Well, th- those are difficult players to defend and they have a very physical talented run blocking offensive line. This is a massive unit. That's going to get downhill. You know, mm. they like to create extra gaps in the run game and, and Damian Harris is a, a cerebral runner that that's going to find daylight he's going to run with low pads and he's going to fall forward. I mean, so it's going to be this power gap man blocking run scheme with two outstanding tight ends. And, and I think there's a chance they play both quarterbacks. I mean, cause the best thing that that team did last year offensively was run the ball with Cam Newton. Mm. So preserve that, but then have your throwing quarterback in Mac Jones with better receivers, right? Like, I don't love Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar, but those are better players than what they trotted out there last year. So right. I think they have opportunity with this offense, and I think defensively they'll be terrific with with some of their upgrades. Plus, the greatest defensive game planner in the history of the NFL and Bill Belichick, right? Like, they're going to be a tough team to play.
1: I'm. It's. It's. I'm more. Cons- I'm more concerned and scared of them than I, than I am the Dolphins. And it just literally comes down to the Belichick piece, uh, coupled with them putting an offense out there that not only us but nobody is going to necessarily. And, and the hopes is is by the time we see them at week twelve, somebody has figured it out. Somebody's figured out somebody because they don't have a runner. They don't have a wide receiver. Really, I mean, they are going to throw it to Nikhil Harry. They don't have right, a wide yeah. receiver on that football team.
2: That's yeah. It doesn't scare you. The challenge is is yeah. The Bills went six and zero in the division last year. Right? Do we really think they're going to go on a twelve-game win streak in the division? Like that's just not—that's not, that's not normal. It's unlikely. Not. Like yeah. I think they probably drop one of these games to
1: New England. Do you think it's New England? Yeah, gotcha. What about the other? What about the? Obviously, I feel they're going to sweep the Jets. Dolphins drop one of the Dolphins possibly.
2: Man, um, the the Dolphin the Bills have won five of the last six against Miami. Hmm. The only one being the. When I get, I would say Josh Allen left the ball short to Charles Clay in the end zone. That's the only reason they haven't won the last six, won seven of the last eight. Josh Allen owns the Dolphins uh, until, like, until Miami proves that they're ready to hang with Buffalo. Right? I, I don't. I, I sort of feel. I sort of feel like the Bills should handle them. I, I get nervous about Week Two in Miami because it's going to be hot as hell and it's their season, their home opener, sure. and all those sure. dynamics. Yeah,
1: we talked whenever. about that on the other yeah. episode. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, Matthew Parker or Mastin Parker. I just want to bring this in. says neither Hunter Henry nor Jenna Smith is Gronk. So I don't know if they're going to uh, be more than Gronk Hernandez. It's not about being more than Gronk or Hernandez. The reality is this we're we going to say
2: stylistically that, that type of play. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's it, there. They're still two. You don't want to, I don't want to face one of them, let alone have to face two of them on the football field at the same time. And if you've got one lineup as a halfback in the backfield, which I'm sure I, I know we saw Hunter Henry do it last year against the bills. And I'm sure John o. Smith could probably do it as well. It's just not a formation I want to see. We saw it a lot when they had Hernandez and they had Gronk, and it was just, it, it was really super, super tough to stop. So where are you landing on this one? You feel like they're going to drop one of these football games? Man, I, I have a hard time wanting to believe they're going to drop a game to Cam. Right? But what? What if
2: it's not just? I think there's a real chance that they play two quarterbacks every game. Yeah. Man. The best the best thing that offense did last year was run the ball with Cam Newton. I would want to preserve those dynamics. Gotcha. And have him throw the ball way less, but you could still throw the ball out of those formations do, tapping into the zone read and doing some RPO stuff with Cam and getting him on the move and like say okay, you want to you want to load up in the box, you want to be plus 1 in the box, I can still make a throw.
1: Right, you know? right. <laughs> But it, but it just to me it it screams when Cam's on the field he's going to run like there's going to be no I don't know he, so, he sure- the
2: Patriots would love it if you went base they would love that they want to dictate that matchup
1: for sure for sure I just I, I just don't have any confidence in Cam's arm I think there's something wrong there I th- I felt it for the last couple of years that I've said I felt that, that since
2: 2016 Joe but I, <laughs> but I think but think about it okay like in a reduced role right you know like I know that this is very weird in terms of NFL discussion points but mac jones kind of a one-year starter at alabama with modest physical gifts so like right, he's a bad right. athlete he doesn't have big time arm but he's a smart processor with reasonable accuracy so you kind of just like use all the skill sets at your disposal to try to score points
1: yeah i yeah. think
2: like they have the right makeup to kind of do something like this
1: this is gonna be another one of the situations where the bills need to come out and they need to put 45 up and say, "Come on, can you come with us?" Oh,
2: sure, yeah, yeah. If you pour it on, they're, they're not. If you get to thirty, they're not getting there. They're
1: not right. getting to thirty, right? Yeah. Because they're going to dink and dunk. If Mac Jones plays football or plays in this football game or plays the whole time starts, they're going to dink and dunk their way down the football field. And it's going to take a lot of time. It's just yeah. it's just one of those situations. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think I should win is probably where both of us are landing. And then the fun game. There's a lot of Buffalo Bills fans that are thinking about heading to Tampa and playing <laughs> Tampa. We are going to that Tampa game in Tampa, week 13, against the greatest quarterback who has ever played as far as the winningest quarterback that's ever played football, is at least in recent memory. They brought back everyone. Every single player, 22 of 22 players, to include Antonio Brown, which is scary. Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin are on that football team. Uh, the defense is solid. It just, it's, it's hard to believe that Tom Brady found himself a football team that may have been better than the Patriots have been in a very long time. Like it's just, it's just incredible. I mean, is there anything else to say? This this game's going to be trouble. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's tough, and, and Tom Brady's thirty-two and three all time against the Buffalo Bills. I'm sure you remember that.
1: I don't want to um, think about it. Well, <laughs> we, so we, I mean,
2: what was McDermott was zero and four
1: mm-hmm.
2: against? Was it or it's zero and six? They
1: played zero oh, and six.
2: Yeah, I and then mean, he swept
1: him, and then he swept him. No, it's it's he's got all the notes, man. You know, <laughs> he, he's got all the notes. And what's right. funny about it is, is I said last year that I felt that that Chiefs game in week what was it week six or week eight when they came to Buffalo was going to be very much a litmus test or a benchmark. Where is this football team versus the Chiefs? And it's almost I feel like week 13 is that game this year where we're going to get a very good look. This is going to be the test where are the bills at and what is the postseason potentially going to look like and how they play that football game. And it's going to come down to another situation. How are the Bills going to scheme it? How are they going to play against Tampa? Are they going to do something cute and silly? Are they going to try to figure out, I, I just don't have an answer. How do you defend that football team? How do you stop them?
2: I'll say this about the Tampa Bay game, and I think we all feel some type of way about it. If I can just bring some perspective here. It's one of the least important games on the schedule. Mm-hmm. Like. Like the, the good part about it is, is it's a potential team that if you get to the Super Bowl you can play and I think that's advantage bills if you right. do have that opportunity to play during right. the regular season than meet again in the Super Bowl but if the bills lose this game it doesn't it, it's like losing to Arizona like you'd rather lose this game than Indy. you'd rather lose For this sure. game you know, or you know like it's yep. a non-conference yep. game at the end of the day like if the bills lose to the, to the buccaneers like don't it's not the end of the world it's it's really not
1: God. No, I agree. So, so we trucking all of our backups out there and <laughs> showing <don't>, them nothing.
2: <laughs> I don't think you do that because I mean, if you have a chance at the one seed and you guarantee home field, then you you do that, right? I'm, te- but I'm,
1: te- like, te- I'm teasing. So, yeah. but that's a that's a that's a, it's just it's incredible what they have done on that football team. And I in think that they've
2: franchise. had talent. I think it's a statement of, of how Jameis has limited the football team, brother. I, this guy he, turnovers like it kills you,
1: yeah, for sure. He just what, didn't protect the football. What was the number 19? Was it 30? How many interceptions did he throw? He's a 30-30 club. It's unreal. Yeah, yeah. It's an, it's unbelievable. unbelievable. Unreal. Week 14, Carolina. Sam Darnold. Buffalo Bills are very familiar with Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold's very familiar with the Buffalo Bills. Um, is this a rebirth for Sam? Much like Carson Wentz, potentially.
2: Uh the the difference there is Carson Wentz can point to a time in his career in the NFL where he plays. Well. Yeah, was so good. that that's the challenge with we, I think it was a reasonable swing for Carolina. Hmm. Reasonable. I don't love it because I do think. Justin Fields is a markedly better solution for them at quarterback. Right. Um, I think w- what's interesting about the Panthers offensively, this is a Joe Brady-led offense. They're going to go four, five wide receivers, spread, empty. You know, five-man protections. They're going to space you out. They're going to put. Yep. They're going to put yep. some stress on. They got good players in DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Christian McCaffrey. Flex. I mean, th- th- there there are challenges here. Plus, they drafted right. Terrace Marshall, who's a height, weight, speed guy. This past year, I, their, their makeup of their weaponry offensively is really, really nice. Sam Darnold's a question, and so is their offensive line. I mean, their offensive line has been bad for a long time. I don't know that they've done enough this year for me to say, oh, yeah, well, they got that figured out. The The, the fun part about Carolina is I think they're building a really, really good defense in terms of young talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, Derek Brown and Brian Burns and, mm-hmm. and J.C. Horn, a player they just brought in this year. Jeremy Chin, a safety from last year. E Urgrove, Smiles. They got a lot of young talent on defense. I don't know that it all comes together this year, and I still think they have a hole at one safety spot. Their other corner spot's a major concern. I don't love their Mike linebacker situation. Mm. I think they need another defensive tackle. Like they're, they're very much still building this thing. They gave Matt Rule a seven-year deal. Like it, It's not all in the, on this year being the one where they have to go out and make their noise. I like where they're headed. I don't think they're ready to hang with the Bills late in the season in Orchard Park. Mm.
1: That's literally, literally my my B note. Darnold is familiar with Highmark Bill Stadium, but Carolina in Buffalo in mid December, yes, please, give me that, yeah. all day long. like give yeah. me that, give me that all day long. And that's what's funny too is as Bills fans continue to con- like have our conversations about domes and new stadiums, and like the snow affects our team just as bad as it affects theirs, and there and you live in North Carolina. Living in North Carolina and living in the South is not the same thing. If you're here from September to December, your body adjusts differently than if you're living in the South. Dude, um, go ahead. I go to
2: Indianapolis every year for the combine. Yep. It's in February. And I can't describe you how, describe to you how uncomfortable I am when I'm outside in Indianapolis <laughs> in February. Like, And I'm sure I, I, I've lived in Western New York. I understand. I, I know right. what that's like, but I haven't lived there in 20-something years. Sure. But when I go to Indianapolis and it's and there's a little bit of wind, mm. I describe the way I feel as if you taking a vegetable peeler and just going down <laughs> my face with how bad that hurts. You right. know what I mean? Because it's 30 right. and windy outside.
1: Right, for sure. Yeah, I
2: could not sure. imagine.
1: Yeah, and it's playing and it's, football in it. It's always the conversation of yeah, but all these kids are from the South. They're all from like you know SEC and stuff like. That. And it's like it doesn't matter. They're here from September right. to December. And they they build a tolerance to it, and when it changes every day, and the weather gets a little bit colder every day, it, there's just a yeah. different. And I, that was one of the things that McDermott did with the, with his his football team is he started putting them outside and practicing in the elements, which the Bills did not do for decades. They didn't practice outside the elements, and there's something to be said for being like accustomed to this this weather and this what's kind of going on here. So Carolina, give me Carolina in the wintertime in Buffalo. And I'll put that as a should win Mm. as well. Week, week 15, New England, uh, in New England, we'll skip over that one. Last one on the schedule, because the jets are the final game and that's the jets in New Jersey, which is probably potentially going to be a meaningless football game. Uh, 16 week, 16 Atlanta in Buffalo, another Southern team dome team coming to Buffalo. Good night. I mean, it's you're talking about, I mean, who knows what the weather's going to be like then? It could be nice. It could be mild. It could be treacherous uh they've the, obviously Matt Ryan, Matty Ice uh is the quarterback they've just lost Julio Jones they've got Calvin Ridley and they've got a great offensive scheme they've got Pitts right they drafted Pitts yeah so they don't have
2: enough they don't have enough to hang like defensively this this back seven is a, is there's just nothing to be nervous about like Grady Jarrett's a really good player up front for them on the defensive at defensive tackle Dante mm-hmm. Fowler's an okay pass rusher but like there's just not enough answers on this defense. I know Dean Pease is their coordinator and he's had a wonderful career in the NFL. Like he'll help elevate that talent, but I still think they're too talent, defic- talent deficient on defense. And I mean, we we think Pitts is going to be really good, but he's a rookie and, and they have Calvin Ridley, but I'm not sure that there's a whole lot else on this offense that moves the needle. I, I think right. Atlanta's a four or five, six win team to me. Wow. That low. Well, they won four last year, and I don't think they got better
1: do you feel, talk to me about this term generational talent as it pertains to Pitts. Generational talent. Because, because the Jets got laughed out of the building for drafting a tight end in the first round, right? Years and years ago. And it's just, what you want to talk about things you don't do in the NFL. You don't draft a running back in the first round. You don't draft a tight end in the first round either. Is this kid really going to be that good?
2: He's he's really special. I, I'll say that. And, and I don't think it's fair to say that he's just a tight end because he plays a lot of slot. He plays a lot about wide and Gotcha. His ability to sink his hips and run routes at six foot five is is really unreal, and his speed and explosiveness—like he's going to be a problem. Like think about Darren Waller and what he brings to the Raiders. I think he's that type of guy. I mean, maybe yeah. a little bit more dynamic in terms of. I, lo- I love Darren Waller. So the, I, I mean, I think that's what they added, you know. Yeah. And I, if I told you you can get Darren Waller in the top ten, you do it right. So Absolutely. I, I think that's the 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 problem for me, Joe. Is I don't think. I don't look at this Atlanta team and say that that's what that was the missing piece. Okay, now they're ready to go compete. Right. Right. And so I think they're. I I don't think they were honest with themselves about where they are as a football team because from a talent perspective, I think they have issues everywhere. So you either trade back and get yourself all the assets you need Picks. to build this roster, or you take the quarterback.
1: Except they can't sign the ones they have. So they had to, they had to they had to trade Julio Jones to get cap space to because be able the salary cap to... is real. Right, because the salary cap is real. Four hundred sixty-eight thousand dollars, I think, was the number I saw coming into before the before the pick or before the trade of Julio Jones to sign so, all the draft picks. And so the agents were, are telling the agents are telling the rookies right. don't sign.
2: <laughs> so you can have, and that's the thing is if they if they thought they were in a position to go compete this year, then keep Julio Jones. Right. You you have mixed messaging with your roster construction. Like you what? can't have one toe in the water and one out. Like that's a disaster for being six and ten.
1: I like what you said about trading back, about moving out of that spot, finding somebody that wants to come up and get Pitts, because there had to be a number of teams.
2: Or the were... other quarterbacks were still on the board.
1: Right, right. I mean, are they going to move on from Matt Ryan? Who knows? But if they stayed in that spot, who they taken besides Pitts that's going to work out better for them? Quarterback or are you going to go the Quarterback. Quarterback, yeah. which one? Fields. Fields, Just You're high on Justin Fields.
2: Oh, man. As I yeah. should be.
1: As I should be, he said. Yeah um i'm just not a, it's oh man and I, i'm not saying it's uh it's how do i want to say this i've i've never been big on ohio state quarterbacks oh, oh and i lived in this, i, lived in, I, li- I lived in columbus Scout. for i lived in columbus don't for a long Elmet time
2: Scout, brother don't do it <laughs> don't do it Those hate, are all unique it. human
1: beings they are all unique human beings but when you i mean going back to troy smith and i mean all those guys just want and obviously you know, uh, Terrell Pryor was different. His, the way he threw was not. It was very Cam Newton esque. Like it was just. He's like, a receiver.
2: Here, here's the, here's wrong the, with him. I faced this is a narrative I had to fight during the draft season as a draft guy. Yep. The difference between Justin Fields and all of the other previous Ohio State quarterbacks that failed is because, is Justin Fields is actually a quarterback. T- Terrell Pryor is a wide receiver trying Correct. to play quarterback. Ter- uh, Smith. What the heck's his first name? Troy. When the high, Troy Smith. Wide receiver trying to play quarterback. The Braxton Miller, wide receiver Miller, trying to correct. play quarterback.
1: Uh the Cardell Jones. There's tons of them. Uh right. Cardell Jones
2: said he wasn't going to hide Ohio State to play school. I mean, <laughs> you, I mean you have other issues there. Dwayne, right, right. Dwayne let me tell you a story about Dwayne Haskins.
1: Haskins, yeah.
2: My father-in-law, big Washington football team fan, loves him, season ticket holder for like 30 years. Yeah. So he went up to camp after they drafted Dwayne Haskins. And, you know, he comes over and he's going to sign an autograph and Dwayne's super nice. And he signs the autograph and says, um, he says, Hey, where are you guys from? He says, we're, we're from Charlotte, North Carolina, or he said, we're from Charlotte. Yeah. Yeah. He goes, Oh, where's that? He goes, it, he goes, it's where the Panthers play. He goes, Oh really? How do you not know that? How do you not know that?
1: My wife, my wife graduated from OSU. I don't want to answer this question, <laughs>
2: dude. There's a, there's a really cool YouTube series from, uh, men's health. I think where they do how I spent my first million. Do you ever watch this? Have Never, you Never heard no. of this. No. So that they put athletes on there and they say, how did you spend your first million dollars? And Dwayne Haskins was on there. And let me just tell you, this was some of the dumbest purchases I've ever seen. And I, and I watch this all the time. I just recently watched Justin Jefferson Tua was on there recently. And I really enjoyed his. But Dwayne Haskins, like you just watch this and you're like, this guy's just not like he's not play, wired wrong. Not wired with the full wrong.
1: yeah. No, dude, <laughs> not the sharpest pencil in the box. No. Like line him up, all the sayings. Oh my gosh! So that's all of them. I you know I, I know you don't want to make a, a, a schedule prediction for me. This is absolutely 13 and four, 12 and five range <laughs> for this for this for this schedule for this. It just it screams AFC East championship uh you know, going back to some home field advantage stuff in the playoffs. And I'm not even going to, I mean, I don't know if you want to say something as far as that goes. I don't want you to commit to anything. I know you said you didn't necessarily want to, but
2: yeah, but I, I this is, so this is the overarching thing that I'll say about this schedule. And this yeah, is yeah. how I've, this is how I've processed where I think the bills will settle. Um, if you'll bear with me, let me go through the schedule yeah, and yeah. I'm going to identify every game that I think is a reasonable possibility that they lose.
1: What before you do that? So yeah. uh, b- before it's it's been an hour, I don't want to keep you super long in the last time we kept you, I think for an hour and 20. I don't want to keep you that long tonight because I know you're, you're super busy. If anybody has any questions while Joe does this overarching thing, if you've got questions for Joe, throw them in the comment section. We'll ask him a couple questions and we'll get him out of here. So go ahead.
2: All right. So realistic games. I think, hey, the Bills could lose that game, right? Let's do
1: this. Pittsburgh.
2: I think so. Miami. Yeah. No, reasonable chance, Joe. I'm not, I'm not predicting that they lose it. Right. right, right, right. Oh, you know what? My world wouldn't be turned upside down if the bills lost that game. Like there's a path for it to happen. All right. Pittsburgh. Yes. Miami. Yes. Washington. Yes. Yes. Excuse me. Houston. No. At Kansas city. Yes. At Tennessee. Yes. I am not going to say Miami coming out of the buy at home is in this category at Jacksonville no that's not in it at the Jets no Indianapolis yes at the Saints yes New England once yes Tampa Bay once yes that's it nine i think there are nine games on this schedule that i think the bills have a puncher's chance at losing okay mm. i also think that their ceiling is losing only 3 games okay Agreed. i think the best the bills can be this year is what 17 games all the numbers are where 14 and 3 so, if I think that the low end is three and the high end is nine, what's the middle? Six?
1: Five, six. Yeah, probably. Okay.
2: And that's and that's not giving the Bills a good football team the benefit of the doubt. Mm. I think they lose between three and five games.
1: I mean, that's where I'm at.
2: Yeah. I mean, like, I, that that's not going through win loss and like, but I think when you, it's, it, the Bills are favored in every single game except for Kansas City right now, right? if I'm not mistaken.
1: Is uh They're not favored in that Tampa game.
2: Okay, so they're f- the favorite to win right now in 15 out of 17 games. That's crazy. So if you just go through and say, oh, win, 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 you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're probably yeah. going to get to 15, 14 or whatever it is. I can't do the math now. 15 and two. Is that how it goes now?
1: It's, it's not, but yes, yeah, 15 and two. That's weird.
2: So like, I just don't, that's just not a good way to do it because it, it doesn't just, it's never chalk. Right. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah, I think sure. that the range of losses is three to nine, somewhere in the middle of six. That's giving them no benefit of the doubt. Cut a few off. They're three to five
1: lose team. Gotcha. I'm t- same place. Sam Teats asks, Joe, where do you think Josh Allen finishes among the top 10 QBs in the NFL this year?
2: Where are we saying he was last year?
1: Uh, two, I, I th- three is probably where I would have put him behind Mahomes and Rogers or behind yeah. Brady and Mahomes and Rogers, behind Mahomes and Rogers it's, it's stat wise. I mean, Brady is always going to get the like the Brady love, he's always going to be as long as Brady's in the league.
2: Yeah, so do we think more. okay, is our measuring stick stats?
1: Probably, it's so probably are we going to assume
2: that the is Josh Allen going to drop back to pass on 42.3 plays per game again next year? Like there's a volume component to this that makes it challenging you know what I mean yeah yeah will they be the exact same like run pass splits will there be
1: do you do uh, do you, you fix fix what's not broken I mean this isn't marketing right it's not broken we'll break it like
2: have I have I given you my statistics about the chiefs
1: they haven't been figured out yet right you have not given me statistics about the chiefs
2: something we have to talk about
1: Do you feel that? I mean, I don't feel that. I don't feel that Josh, there's no book on Josh Allen yet. And every time there was a book starting to open on Josh Allen, he went to work and defeated whatever they were throwing at him.
2: Here's, I did this project. Okay. On the Chiefs. Okay. Over the last two years, the Chiefs have lost five football games that matter. Okay. They've lost seven but I'm eliminating two of them. One is week 17 last year where they didn't play any other guys. Right. And there's one game in um, uh, 2019 where their starting quarterback was Matt Moore. Okay. So I'm not counting it. So I'm talking Patrick Mahomes competitive football games. Sure. They've lost five games in the last two years. Let's talk about those five games really, really quick. I won't go too long. Give it to me. 2020 against the Raiders. The Raiders ran the ball 35 times for 144 yards and two touchdowns. 2020 in the Super Bowl against Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay ran the ball 33 times, 145 yards, and one touchdown. Tennessee in 2019, they ran the ball 26 times, 225 yards, two touchdowns. 2019 against the Colts, a game they lost. The Colts ran it 45 times, 180 yards, one touchdown. In 2019 against the Houston Texans, the Texans ran it 41 times, 192 yards, three touchdowns. Those are the five football games that the Chiefs lost the last two years. The average, the average was 36 rushing attempts. 177 yards, two touchdowns, and 4.92 yards per carry. The problem, Joe, with the Chiefs and the Bills is the Bills have to be willing to adopt a game script that isn't the one that they typically lean on to win football games. You have to run the ball effectively against Kansas City, and that's coming for somebody that wants to see the Bills throw it 70% of the time. We've got to be honest about this.
1: That 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 moves me into a conversation in the chat that we had just about uh who's important as it pertains to the sustainability of the Bills being successful. That <laughs> you I mean you're putting on the run like the Bills are, running back is going to be important, right?
2: It's not the running back, it's run, rushing success right. against that's Kansas City. Right. Specifically that's, that's, against Kansas. It doesn't matter against any other
1: team. Right, running doesn't the football. Matter. Playing defense and running the football is going to be the most important thing against, in that, game in, in that kid, game in that game. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Dude, dude, those numbers are off the charts, man.
1: That's crazy. I did not know that. That's actually, yeah, that's... When you talk about an average of 176 yards on the ground, what was it, 33? 36 rushing, rushing attempts. 36 rushing attempts, two touchdowns. 4.9 yards a carry. Are you
2: willing to do it? Are the Bills willing to go in Kansas City and say, we're going to run the ball 30 times,
1: at I least? I don't bite my fingernails, and I would not have fingernails after that football game. Would you? <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> <It's>, like... <laughs> I mean, could you imagine sitting there watching that? Fall? It seems like that's what the Bills tried to do last year in week six, right? They tried to let them run, and we were going to run, and it didn't work. No, it did work. Sean
2: McDermott introduced enough variance in that football game that if Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is this much higher off the ground with that fumble you know, at the end of the game, yep, he yep. fumbled, and yep. that would have given him a short field. The Bills had a chance to take the lead. Here's the Here's the one thing that didn't work in that game in week six. This is the one thing that we didn't account for is that the Bills' offense wasn't very good that day. They weren't good. They didn't score.
1: Josh Allen was still hurt, right?
2: That was was the piece of that game plan that just didn't work. You didn't count on their offense being that bad. It's crazy. And and, and what happened in the AFC Championship game? They said, all right, Josh, we think you're the NFL MVP. Go win this thing. You think? Yeah, that's exactly what they did. They say, hey, go do it, man. Go do it but You're they, didn't, our guy.
1: they didn't protect them and guys didn't get open. And the defense was a shell to me. That was such a, I still, I still land at, and we, I love this conversation. I still land on ownership coming out and saying, we want to change the rule that no NFL offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator or high level, whatever management personnel person can interview for another job until after the championship games are completed. That to me tells me that ownership felt like their coaches were distracted.
2: Of course, that's, that. that's not debatable. There's a, there's a, there's a time amount that exists and part of the time that they had to prepare for that game was taken up by interviewing with those. I mean, you have to imagine, dude, like you're going to go interview to be a head coach in the NFL. You have to go in there and present your vision for that football team to them. It, you don't just, Oh, let me just, let me go to our lads.com and check out the depth chart here. You know, like, come on. Like, right. Right. So I'm not. I, I'm not gonna say that's the reason why, but it didn't help. At the same time, we've seen teams with these same dynamics win football games too. Where like it's not. It's not a tried and true like. We we. It's not mattered for other teams.
1: For sure. For sure.
2: But yeah, that's a difficult dynamic.
1: All right. Last question. Last question. Joe Marino from Richard Rush. Joe Marino, do you know anything about Stevenson? Anything talking
2: about Marquez Stevenson? I'm sure. I wrote a full sky I have been watching this player for 3 years at Houston. What do you, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> uh
1: give us a give us the breakdown. My my guess is there's a lot of expectation about him being a punt returner kick returner. Yeah,
2: okay, so first of all, he's not a, this oh, we got to we got to address something right now. He's not a punt returner. He's okay. never returned a punt at Houston. Really? And the fact that he was so good at being a kick returner, where he had three touchdowns and averaged twenty-eight yards per return, says everything you need to know. There, there's there's something about the way that the Houston coaching staff felt about Marquez Stevenson, where they said, "We're not putting you in there in those situations." Whether it was a, a, a judgment, right, like when to field it, when to let it bounce, whether right. it was securely, you know, fielding the football in those situations, they didn't feel comfortable. Uh, I like Marquez Stevenson. There were, I would say again, he's in my region. So like, I know him very intimately. Um, there were times when I watched him play. I wouldn't say there are times every time I watched him play, I thought he was the most dynamic athlete on the field, mm. especially at, at Houston and in the AAC teams that they played up against. Right. I think he very much benefited from being a very dynamic athlete in a spread offense, right? So you have a lot of spacing, you have inferior competition. And so that's very easy to get open. And so, he didn't have to run a lot of nuanced routes. He didn't have to run a ton of routes, right? It, sure. it took care of itself. When you're just more athletic than everyone that you're, you're you're facing, it you just you make a lot of plays. So I think he benefited from that, and so I think he has a curve ahead of him in terms of all right, what's it going to take to get open in the NFL? Like I like the physical skill sets that's there for mm-hmm. him to develop as a route runner, but he's going to have to learn that how he got open at Houston is going to be very, very different than what it's going to take to get open in the NFL. So he can't just be the fastest guy on the, on the field and have production because of that. He's not a guy that's going to extend the catch radius. Right. So like he right. has to get open to make plays. Right. Um, I like him after the catch. He's very creative. So like, I I think he's a, He's a plus version of what you have in Isaiah McKenzie. Mm. And you still have the same questions about the punt return. Like there's a lot to like here, but like, I, what are the expectations that people have for Marcus Stevenson? I think that's, that's where I get nervous.
1: We've just changed mine. My, my expectation was this. He was going to f- come in and f- kind of fulfill that PRKR role like that. That's where I, I think I he can be the kick
2: thing. returner, but I, there's, I think it's an unreasonable expectation. You you, you you
1: can't, you can't, uh, can you have a roster with where where one of your wide receivers is the kick returner and you've got another roster wide receiver that's a punt returner? Yeah,
2: all the time. Teams do that all the time. That far down down the death chart? Yeah, absolutely. Like you're
1: not going to, it can't be the only thing they do. Right. (laughs) Who's getting bumped? Uh, Obviously, Duke Williams is gone, but who else is getting, I mean, who else is going? If you made me
2: predict right now, and I, I don't know if somebody brings this up all the time, it might be Bruce Nolan, could be Greg, could be you. I don't, I listen to a lot of Bills podcasts. So I don't sure. remember exactly who says this. Um, the only draft pick that hasn't made the team under McBean has been Austin Pro, a mm-hmm. seventh round wide receiver out of U, UNC, where I'm pretty sure they just did their buddy a favorite, uh, uh um, their, what's their dad's Austin Proles, the dad, former player, Carolina Panther, coach. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah. I think yeah. they did him a favor and drafted him. Sure. I honestly do, and he didn't make the team. So we have a big-time precedent for Bill's draft picks making the team. We mm-hmm. also have a big-time precedent that they keep six wide receivers. They've never really kept more. Right. So this, if I had to guess right now, I think you have Diggs, Sanders, Beasley, Gabe Davis. All right, so there's your four locks. Yep, I yep. think Stevenson as a this-year draft pick, is going to make it is five isaiah mckinsey is six really yeah
1: even with all of the all of the conversation and all the chatter about isaiah Hodgins last year in camp before he got hurt
2: do you want to do that so here's the thing about isaiah Hodgins, man I, um what he's he like a six-round draft pick so that tells you a lot about what the NFL thinks of his skill set. I, I see the same clip over and over again that people love to go at Oregon State where he puts a double move and gets open and stuff like that. But he's a he's David Nelson. You remember David Nelson? Love like love that's David that's Nelson. the type of player that he is. And so he's a narrow, tall, um, he's a guy that really, really struggles to play on the outside. Mm-hmm. And so what I mean by that is like beating press coverage. If you want to play up on top of him, sure. he has a hard time. Clearing that contact. So you are reducing him into a slot only type player. And I think you you have you have everything that he brings to the table in Gabriel Davis. He's a redundant skill set. And the problem is he's not going to play special teams. Right. P- players like that, like he's not going to help you covering kicks and punts. Sure. He just doesn't. I, I like his route running when he's when he's doesn't have to deal with contact. What's well, the NFL, brother? You got to deal with contact. Yeah. And I love yeah. his hands and ball skills. But like he's there's not enough boxes otherwise that he checks. I'd I'd honestly be surprised if he was a rostered player.
1: I can attest uh, he actually goes to my church, so Isaiah does. So literally, I see him every Sunday, and he is definitely a very tall, very narrow young man. As far as that goes, he's not. You know, my guess is Duke Williams is probably thick and large, right? Six foot two and probably broad and big. Right. But the funny thing about that is like Stefan Diggs doesn't strike me as a huge specimen of a, of a, of a human being. Like he doesn't strike me as a giant man,
2: but think about, so route running is about a lot of times about hip, hip elevation. And I think for, for the body composition that Isaiah Hodgins have, like, I think he's very good in terms of that, but when you're talking about having to reduce and take steep angles off the line of scrimmage and, and address contact right away. Yeah. He has, he offers a lot to get your hands on, you know, like gotcha. in, in, and that's, he gets hung on contact and like he did that in the pack 12, man. Like, <laughs> what's going to happen when JC Jackson's in his face? And you know, like that's where I get hung up. I, I think he's a good kid. Uh, Rob yeah. Juden, uh, one of the guys that work with the draft network, he was, uh, he worked at Oregon state speaks highly of Isaiah Hodgins. I think he's a high character, good
1: person, super good kid. Super I just, kid.
2: I have a hard time about finding that path for him. I think he's, I, I think he'll be on the practice squad and all those types of things. But, um, as far as him, Number one, making the roster. Number two, having a meaningful role in the offense. I don't anticipate that.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, Joe, this was a pleasure. As always, this is always a pleasure. I, I love having conversations with you. Um, one of my absolute favorites, uh favorites rather. Do me a favor, tell everybody that's uh watching and listening where not that they don't already know, but where can they find the Joe Marino? Uh
2: Twitter at the Joe Marino Locked On Bills Podcast Daily. Um Maybe Joe Miller will be on there this week. I don't know. Signed. Dumb, dum, dum. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see.
1: Dum dum dum. That's funny. Uh, bro, I just appreciate it, man. I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you having these talks and just. You
2: loosen me up, man. You I loosen, loosen you, you up. You do. Like, I feel sometimes. I don't know. I get, I'm kind of buttoned up on a lot of these other podcasts that I go on. But I'm like, I just feel like I'm just chilling with you. And so I'm like, all right, let's shoot, let's shoot the breeze, man. Let's I don't talk know, shop.
1: I don't know what it is because I, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, I, feel the same. I feel it's a, it flows, it flows super, super well. So it's a, it's a, it's a blast just to, just to have you on the show and just to have you the banter back and forth. And I love to, I love to open the door and give you an opportunity to chat. And uh, you, you don't disappoint, for lack of a better way of saying it. You absolutely don't disappoint. You're gonna make it up to Buffalo. I know you're coming up for wonderful yeah, ball games. Houston, before yeah, yeah. is that the only time you're coming up? You're not coming up. You don't. Do you have any family left in Buffalo?
2: I do. Yeah. You do. Grandparents, aunts and uncles. Yeah. You come
1: up and see them at all in the summer.
2: So here's the problem, man. They always come and see me. They're always Uh, coming here, you know? So it's like that because they so frequently come here, it's taken the urgency away from going up. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't been to Buffalo since 2011.
1: Really? Wow. Yeah. That's crazy.
2: So I'm excited to get up there and like go to the places that I've always enjoyed my wife it's going to be her first time there nice she's going to get the the you know the whole experience and Nice. Take her on to Grand Island and show her where I grew up. And you know, like when you tell people that you grew up on a freshwater island in the middle of the Niagara River, they're like, "What is this Swiss Family Robinson or something?" You know what I mean? Like,
1: Grand <laughs> Island, yeah. Was
2: there electricity there? I'm like, yeah, you know, uh, you, you it's kind of a kind of does have electricity. So I want to like I want to explain that to her and show her all that stuff. So that is amazing. Yeah. yeah, the
1: Niagara River forks and goes in two different directions and then comes back together. Wait, wait, stop. <laughs> explain <laughs> this to me like I'm five. <laughs> Literally. Oh, that's awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been watching and listening to the Overreaction Sports Podcast brought to you by the Market Dominator on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. I'm your host, Joe Miller. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Miller Wired. And for me and my guest, Joe Marino, we are excited that you guys tuned in. Uh, Until next time, Joe Marino, give me a go, Bills. Go, Bills. Go, Bills. We'll talk to you guys later.